Austin became Texas Tech South Campus this weekend after Red Raider fans traveled to the drum, made their noise, and Texas Tech basketball took care of business, sweeping Texas and Mark Adams' first season. We're going to talk about what happened in the game and what it means going forward coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. I'm Ryan Mainville. I cover Texas Tech for the Dallas Morning News. want to apologize in advance for maybe some slight differences in my audio quality. This is only temporary. I promise things will be back to normal by the end of this week, but I'm not in my current setup, and I appreciate you joining us anyways. I'm joined by always um, with Emery Lida, a longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer and podcaster. Today, man, we've got to talk about one of the biggest games that Texas Tech has played all season, obviously knocking off Texas for the second time this year, and they did it in Austin in an arena that was probably 50-50 Texas Tech, Texas fans. All of that is coming up on today's episode, which is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Emery, um, we had uh, former Texas Tech basketball legend Davide Moretti on the show Friday. Um, you both predicted a, a low-scoring game. I thought that it was going to be a little bit more high-scoring. And here you go, man. Once again, you're looking like the uh, the stat wizard. And obviously, Davide knows ball better than the two of us combined. And, I mean, we saw that really on display when Texas Tech won 61-55 to in Austin on Saturday. Both teams had an effective field goal percentage below 40. A lot of turnovers in this one. A lot of difficult shots, but I mean, overall, Texas Tech got a win. Emery, what are you coming out of this weekend thinking? What do you see from the Red Raiders on Saturday? Well, it's really just about finding a way to win. I mean, this was a game in which if you look at the pure like roll box score numbers offensively, they're ugly. There's no other way to get around it. When you have TJ Shannon going 0-4 from the field, and I'll get to his individual performance in a little bit, but just the fact that he didn't hit a single field goal, that's one thing. You struggled from mid-range, struggled from the three. You had kind of struggled with turnovers as well, and that was kind of maybe to be expected without Kevin McCuller. And, like, it just felt offensively like not a ton was going particularly right for you. And yet, with that said, they were still able to make it a pretty competitive game in the first half and withhold a couple of big Texas punches, and that was the biggest thing. In Lubbock, it would have been hard for UT to be able to stream any sort of run together because of just how crazy the Tech environment was there. But in this game, even though I still think Tech had a remarkable showing and you had at least 45 to 50% of the crowd being Red Raiders, you still had kind of a somewhat of a comforting environment for UT. And I think that that made it to where they could go on those runs like they did at the end of the first half that Tech was eventually able to counter. And I feel like that was probably the biggest thing for me is this team had multiple chances where it looked like things were going to fall apart. You had at the end of the first half, UT briefly got up by six. And then at the end of the second half towards down the stretch, Texas went on a quick 9-0 run to make it a one point game. And that was off of the back of three straight Tech turnovers. And really people thought that maybe it'd be Tech just folding and kind of 
running up based off of the momentum. But yet they were able to come back from that, have multiple really good plays down the stretch. And in spite of it not looking particularly pretty, got the job done. And people have underestimated how good UC is this year. And I think that I can finally say that after Tech has swept them. I think that they're a top 25 team. They're a top 20 team. And I mean, you don't have to like Chris Beard or like Texas to say that they're a good team. So you're going to have to really fight against those teams to be able to come away with a win. And so to be able to do that and have have it come on the road, be able to sweep the series, it's a great feeling. And I think that it just shows just how tough this team is because when things aren't going well offensively and when really even the individual players are kind of struggling, you can still expect an effort that's going to be there 100% of the time. And they didn't collapse. And I think that's the biggest positive to take away from this one. I mean, there's some there's some likely contenders. We've got a first half versus TCU, second half versus Kansas State. I really thought the first half against Texas might have been one of the worst halves of Texas Tech basketball I've watched all season. I mean, for Texas Tech to go into halftime with this game tied truly felt like nothing more than a mere miracle. Now, here's here's why. It was probably definitively the worst half that they've played offensively all season. Now, defensively, their uh, their defense kept them in it, man, and and their defense really played well, um, except for uh, except for on Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey. Um, Emery and I are both smiling right now because uh, there, there's a co-host on our show right now. You've got to figure out uh, who it is. You got to go to our YouTube to figure out who it is. But uh, Texas Tech's defense, man, they, they kept them in it despite the uh, the really really bad first half offensively. What I felt like, I mean. For Clarence Nadolny to be leading you in shots attempted, especially with the quality of shots that he was getting in that first half, it really did not feel like you were in a great situation on offense. Yeah, I just want to say that Clarence being able to go into the half taking six shots and somehow Tech was in the game and tied, like I did not expect him to have that kind of impact offensively. And I think, I mean, I've got to give credit to Davide here because he said that this would be a game that Clarence really stepped up in. And he was right. I mean, certainly I've been on I've been in favor of Clarence pretty much the whole year and dating back even before then, but I did not expect him to have that that sort of offensive impact. And the way he was able to really just sort of overcome to me a little bit of an over aggressive first half. And I mean, in spite of that, I don't think it was just down to him. I think offensively in general, tech really struggled to kind of control the ball effectively in the first half. The ball is sticking some. You only had three assists at the break. And some of the decision-making on drives were really questionable. I mean, that was one of the things that I think that I thought really needed to get cleaned up. And thankfully, I think it did to a pretty good degree. But certainly in the first half, I wouldn't say it was the worst because I think we saw in Lawrence that Tech, again, similar story actually, came into half only down six, and yet it felt like that was just an absolute disaster of a half. And then you had other halves that could be up in contention. You mentioned the first half against TCU, second half against Kansas State. I'd say second half against Oklahoma was pretty rough as well. But, yeah, I mean, this was not an aesthetically pleasing first half, but when they came into half tied up, you knew that things were going to get better. And I think that's the the thing is just being able to trust the te- this team and trust the way that they play defense. And in spite of the fact that Ramey and Andrew Jones went off, it took UT having to hit – a bunch of threes to stay in the game. And it, and the more that the game wore on, that felt like it was a good sign for Tech because threes largely down to variance in a lot of cases. And Tech was able to get a lot inside once they kind of figured out what they were doing on drives and not over dribbling. And so 
think it was a good sign just to go into half a tied up and have that 6-0 run to end the half, and it sort of looked like a good sign going forward. Do the box score open in front of you? Not directly in front of me, but it's within like a click or two. Okay, don't go to it, and tell me what you think Texas shot from three in this game. Um, 8-26? They shot 8-26, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude... They they felt quietly good in this one. Like uh, Andrew Jones was was really good, but Courtney Ramey going one of five does not feel like a thing that happened. Jace Febris going two of seven did not feel like a thing that happened. I mean, we're talking, we're sitting here, and we're talking about the variance of three pointers, and I feel like this just truly illuminates that point that in Texas Tech scenario, for it to be feeling like you're having a complete breakdown defensively at times. And to still be holding a team to 8 of 26 shooting, it, it's just remarkable, man. And like you mentioned it, a lot of it is variance. I thought Texas Tech could have done a better job on their rotations in the first half at least. I thought that guys were getting open way too easily. The quality of shots were, were there for Texas. There's no doubt about that. Credit to them for for creating those looks, especially with guys like like Jones and Febris that are putting the ball on the floor. There were a lot of Texas Tech players leaving their feet in this one, a lot more than I'm accustomed to. But I mean... For you to go into the half tied, it, it just really felt like like a big, big win for Texas Tech. And, I mean, you mentioned that Kansas game. That's a really, really good shout because I think I tweeted, like, with two minutes left, like, this is – there's no chance that this isn't the most – like, least competitive six-point game I've ever watched. And Texas Tech kept themselves in this one. I don't think this this was ever a game that I was watching and I was like, this is not a competitive contest. But, man, for Texas Tech to go into the half down – or or tied felt like a huge, huge win for them. Yeah. I think the three point shooting, it felt like watching it live or at least watching it on rewatch spoiler. I didn't actually get to watch it live this time, unfortunately, but getting to watch it the first time through, I felt like the first half to 30 minutes, it felt like UT was shooting a lot better than they actually were. And I feel like the low scoring, slow paced kind of element of this game sort of contributed to that factor. And also Courtney Ramey hit a couple of, pretty difficult mid-range shots in this one as well or where he pump fake got the defender to fly by and then stepped in and hit a mid-range I think that that might have skewed things but certainly in the defensive effort to be able to hold UT under 33% shooting from three and really force them to take everything from the perimeter I mean you look at their shots they only took 10 at the rim and throughout the game they just were not able to get anything going on the inside Timmy Allen had a quiet game Marcus Carr was a liability and this was a really good game for Tech defensively, and I think it kind of allowed you to shoulder through the offensive issues that were going on throughout the first half, and even at points in the second half as well. It gave you the space to really allow Mark Adams to do his second half adjust- adjustments that have worked so well all season, and we definitely saw that lead to a victory. I want to talk about some individual performances because there are certainly some notable ones, but first a word from our sponsor. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts.
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are here talking about Texas Tech at Texas. Um, Even though it really didn't sound like that or feel like that. Um, and, and the Texas Tech players have been very adamant that it was not that. And I, I've just loved the confidence. Obviously, it was a great, great scene in, in Austin to see um, all of Red Raider Nation just invading the Irwin Center. Um, a, a good friend of ours, the guys we worked with for, for a long, long time, Jeff Brunson, was kind of the the pioneer of that movement. So very cool to see that come to fruition. But uh Man, we could talk about the environment all week, but but we're here for analysis, and we got to talk about individual players. And I've got to eat my words because once again, I have not learned my lesson about saying negative things about Clarence Dolney because it never, never ends well for me. It always comes back to bite me because Clarence Dolney is just a—he's a player, man. Like he plays so hard, and even when the game is not his, he finds a way to make it his. It's just. It's unbelievable. And so I tweeted at halftime, Texas Tech is probably having one of the worst halves I've watched all season. Clarence Sandolny is getting the, like, your your first option is a Clarence Sandolny jump shot in this first half. That's that's a sign that you're in deep, deep trouble. And I, I still think that's true. Like, I still think that that's not exactly what you want your offense to, to look like for the remainder of the season. Now, now, I will say... Clarence Ndolny, man, the way that he was able to just shake off the rust, come back, make the game his, get to the basket, get to the free throw line. I thought that that was the really big turning point for him in this game was his aggressiveness and not settling for a jump shot, but rather getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, forcing the defense to foul him. I thought that that was huge. I know that everybody like talks about the energy and, and that was good. Like he was Clarence Ndolny. That's that's who he is. But in this game, his offensive ability to get to the rim was just really impressive, man. And I've just got to like, I've got to learn just to stop talking about him, dude, because he he is just there. There's some point where just grit and effort and energy take over, and that feels like every single night for Clarence Sandolny. I think we're at a point where we can start saying that just calling him a pure energy player is kind of doing him a bit, him a bit of a disservice. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's like a. It's like if you were to call uh, Kevin McClure a glue guy this year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's it'd be like you say a pure energy guy is like uh, um, Brock Cunningham or a one-minute-a-night Avery Benson. Like, those are guys that contribute nothing on the court outside of hustle and fouling and uh, occasionally getting a rebound or two. But, I mean, Clarence is a guy, you look at his off-ball value, I think that was the thing that stuck out to me the most offensively. And sure, his driving and ability to get into the paint was really impressive. I think that's certainly a good good shout on that end. But I think his ability to cut effectively is something I've noticed in the Kansas game and as well as that against Baylor. But when he's out there, he's able to kind of time it up well. And I think that it opens up a lot of doors for whenever Bryson Williams gets doubled or even when TJ kind of has a lot of 
guys paying attention to him on drives. And that's something I noticed is his off-ball movement has improved a lot this year. And as well as that, I mean, his ability to shoot. I mean, I don't know if I like him taking threes. Uh, certainly don't necessarily think that a guy coming into the game shooting 0 of 13 in conference play, taking four, basically four threes. You had one that was technically on the line, but for all intents and purposes, four threes was necessarily a great strategy, but I mean, it worked. He hit more or less two threes and the shot looked pretty good. It looked confident. None of them were necessarily ill-advised per se. They were just probably not shots that you were wanting him to take. And, you know, offensively, just being able to find little points to bring in value. I think his ability to drive is impressive. His off-ball cutting, like I mentioned, that gives him some level of value because, you know, defensively, he's going to bring it. He had an outstanding game. I think his ability to switch onto the bigs a couple of times, especially Christian Bishop, I think at one point had what looked like a pretty pretty advantageous positioning and matchup and Clarence was able to get a hand in there disrupt the pass and he's done that a couple of times he ended up with two steals in the game but more than that it's just his tenacity on that end his ability to go get rebounds the end of the game rebound where TJ put up a shot and was able to draw the foul I mean that's just the effort that he plays with but it's not just the effort because he that that effort's good for like five minutes a night but his ability to play defense and then offensively find little little points in the margin to have value. That's what makes him such a good player. And I think it's why he's starting to get more and more menace, even when everyone's been healthy. Yeah, Clarence Sondolini, uh, hands down player of the game for me. I thought his ability to bounce back in that second half, really get to the free throw line and just doing what he's always done on defense was just remarkable, man. Two other guys that came really, really close in consideration for me. Obviously, got to talk about Bryson Williams, who led Texas Tech in scoring in this game with 17 points. Also had seven boards, three coming on the offensive end. Five or six from the free throw line, just took one three. That's actually something that I'm starting to notice a little bit. He's he's really moving away from the uh, high usage uh, three-point shots. He hasn't taken more than two in a game since uh, he was in Morgantown. So really, really interested to see what's happening there. But I thought um, Bryson Williams just did what he did. He, he provided reliable offense. He got the ball in the basket. He took the ball to the post, and he created easy shots for himself. I mean, he just – he is who he is at this point. He's a remarkable offensive player, um, one of my favorite Texas Tech players to watch this season. And then um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Marcus Santos Silva and his play in this game. Um, finished with six points. Thought he took a couple of really, really good hook shots. That's kind of becoming something that he's – really developed a good touch on. I'm actually wondering if, if Williams hasn't uh, worked with him a little bit on that and shown him some of his moves because that's not something that I remember seeing Santos Silva do a ton last year. Obviously, he was good around the rim, but it feels like he's just developed this this touch this touch hook that's really, really nice. Had eight boards, really, really made a difference there. And then the defense, dude, he was guarding the Texas guards like they were his primary assignment. I mean, just... Just a phenomenal game for him defensively. Yeah. You know, with Santos Silva this year, last year we saw some flashes of that switchability, but at the same time, you also had games where he really kind of struggled on that. I mean, I look at the Baylor game in Lubbock last year is probably the one instance where you really saw where the Tech kind of got cooked with him at the five and Baylor kind of exploited those switches. And then also in the tournament against Arkansas, but this year, man, it's like every game he's been able to switch on the guards effectively. And he's you're right. He's taken them like 
like they're his main assignment. And I think that's just something that I've really been impressed with his development this year. The lateral quickness is there. Like you mentioned, the hook shots coming along. He's a lot more efficient from the inside than he's been in years past. And for me, Santos Silva has been really a constant present these la- presence these last couple of weeks. And he'll get overshadowed by what Bryson Williams does. And certainly doesn't necessarily have the peaks of like an O'Banner or the flashiness of like a Bacho in terms of his like versatility. But man, he's just a solid big that can switch on the guys, plays really good and sound team defense. And you add in the contributions of someone like TJ Shannon, who really didn't didn't hit a single shot, and yet I still think was a pretty big positive in this game. And really, I mean, Tech didn't have that many guys that didn't contribute in some way. O'Banner had a nice three and generally was, again, active on the boards. You have Malik Wilson's defense, I thought, took a real big step up um, throughout the game. Davion Warren had kind of a rough game offensively fitting in, and Austin Arms as well kind of struggled with turnovers, but those guys were still active defensively. So it was a total team effort. And I think Santos Silva, Williams, and Ndomi were probably the three biggest standouts. But also, I'm just impressed and continue to be impressed with what TJ's been able to do as a playmaker. I think that's that development that these last few games has been really remarkable to see because it's something that when he first came back from injury, I thought he really struggled with. And now we're seeing, even if the assist numbers don't really tell the whole story, he's making multiple high level passes a game and not just like easy, like out of the pick and roll, but in general, just finding skip pass opportunities, kind of taking advantage of high leverage situations. Like they're high level reads that he's making. And that really bodes well for tech going forward. Yeah. I mean, led Texas Tech in assists in this game, even if you don't want to talk about the numbers, even if the numbers don't look great. And I know that we've both been adamant about like reminding each other and everyone else that assists are a two-person stat. And I mean, even so, he led Texas Tech in assists in this game. I thought he was really aggressive, also led them in free throw attempts. And the, uh, the 0 for 7 from the field is something that you've got to monitor, you've got to look at, but... I thought overall in this game, he, he was a noticeable difference maker. Um, and and I just think that he continues to provide value for Texas Tech, even when the shot isn't going in. I want to talk about what this means going forward, because I think it's really important. First, another word from our sponsors. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not a resolution because I actually enjoy eating Built Bar products. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're not just a protein bar, they are a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors like churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. These are going to be your new favorite. They are low in calorie, high in protein. You should replace your favorite candy bars with these. They are better. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You're going to be blown away. They are high in protein, low in calorie, high in fiber, low in carbs. Go to Built.com today to get your hands on some. Texas versus Texas Tech. Uh, we, You and I, Emery, we were both pretty adamant about the fact that we thought that Texas Tech was going to win this game. Um, we were not super confident that this would be a blowout win by any stretch. I think we both expected a fight and, and that's what we got. We, we got a big time fight, but um, I remember a couple of episodes we were, it was actually after the Baylor win, we were looking out at the rest of the season and, and predicting what Texas Tech would go in their remaining five games. And I mean, looking at the slate, we, we can look at it again. You had a road game against UT, which you just won by six points. 
You've got a home game against OU. You go to Fort Worth to play TCU, come back home to play K-State, and then you finish your season in Stillwater. Um, is there, like, what's the, oh, man, I know that this is such a, this is such an unanswerable question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What are the chances Texas Tech wins out? Well, you see, you could look at it from a mathematics standpoint, and I'm not going to do that right now because I don't have the headspace. But I would estimate that if you looked at it from a pure math perspective, it would probably end up being somewhere around 28%, um, just because you have multiple games where you're going to be 8 to 10-point favorites and then a couple of road games. But I think the odds are better than that. I think you're looking at 35 to 40% chance the Tech wins out. I mean, you're talking about a team that has been on a ra- on rails at home haven't even come close to losing a game there i mean only one game decided by single digits the entire year and that was against kansas a game that you were in control for most of the game and the home opponents while you lost to both kansas state and ou i think both of those games were kind of examples of variance certainly the k-state game being off of four games in seven days was going to be rough and the OU game took a remarkable performance by Moja Gibson. So those two games I feel pretty confident about. TCU game I think is a little bit concerning because TCU is a team that's going to have a lot of motivation to try to stack one more big win on their resume. Uh, but also Tech has been able to travel really well this year. And I think that, that the fans are going to show out in Fort Worth and make it closer to a neutral site game than an actual home game for TCU. And then Oklahoma State is probably the biggest concern for me because that's a team that literally has nothing to lose it's their last game of the season they're gonna try to end on a high but certainly i mean in theory you should be able to win all four games they're far from your hardest games on the schedule i would even say if you were to rank all of tech's games coming into conference season one through 18 i would say three of those four games would end up being in the bottom half of the slate in terms of difficulty with the oklahoma state game probably being like right around the eighth or ninth line so it's all manageable, but at the end of the day, it would not surprise me if Tech dropped one of them, even if they're favored in every single remaining game. Yeah, they are favored right now in every remaining game um, by analytics, just prediction metrics. We we like T-Rank right now. Um, Bart Scott, Texas Tech, at about an 8.5-point favorite against OU in Lubbock, which is actually pretty surprising to me. Um, got, them, got Tech as a 3-point favorite in Fort Worth against TCU. Um, a ten and a half point favorite against Kansas State at home, and then a two and a half point favorite in Stillwater. So, as you mentioned, it looks like the analytics are backing up your claim that Oklahoma State still might be the most dangerous team remaining on the schedule. Um, and I, I think that's a fair pick. I, I'm, again, I know that this is becoming like a shtick for me, but I, I am worried about TCU. I think you've got to. I think you've got to approach that one uh, mentally focused. You got to make sure that you uh, you show up for that game. It's a Saturday. Um, I don't know what time they're playing actually, but um, Saturday game. Uh, it's a night game. Okay, so that that helps. I think Saturday night game in Fort Worth. Fans have been pretty good in TCU at TCU all season. You know that a lot of Red Raiders will be there as they always are in Fort Worth. Um, I think that's the game to watch right now. But if like, if I were to like just put it out on the table and say how I feel about it right now, I think the chances are, are good. Uh, I, I think they're good that, that you went out. Um, I think that you've all, I can see Texas Tech winning all of these games. And I could also see a scenario where they lose every single one of these games. 
I don't think it's likely. I don't think it's likely. But there's a scenario where they do. I don't think it's likely at all. I would put the chances at like 2%. But all I'm saying is, uh, all I'm saying is anything could happen in the Big 12. I don't think that will happen. I just see a scenario where it could. Where was When was the last time that Tech lost four games in a row? Billy Gillespie era? Way, way, way more recent than that. It's... Uh, mm, 1920 in the season. Not actually, actually, you're right on that. It was four straight games from Oklahoma game in, in um, Chesapeake Arena to. The, oh gosh, that game! That was yeah, that one was a pain to watch. But yeah, I was bringing up the Keenan Evans injury. That was the one that I had off the uh-huh. top of my head. But certainly. Um, the odds of that of them losing all four games in a row are very Slim minimal. to none. Yeah. Slim to none. I think there's an avenue where I think you could split the four. I think worst case, you're looking at maybe one in three if everything goes wrong. But this team's had so much consistency throughout the season, especially at home, that like it would take a disaster to go un- completely winless. I think yeah. as far – Far, far, far more likely that Tech wins all four in relatively comfortable fashion. And certainly these are all teams that you can win against on paper. The one thing I will say is that all four of them have motivation at this point that is really, really important. Because for Oklahoma, this game on Tuesday night is going to be kind of a do-or-die situation. They lose lose one of their last chances to get a Q1A win and also lose probably their – probably their spot in the bracket as of as of today um you look at the kansas state game they're fighting for their lives as well tcu is a little bit more comfortable in the bubble but certainly not in a great spot in terms of like seeding you're looking at a team that if they lose a couple more games they could be in the first four and then obviously like i mentioned oklahoma state is their last game of the year so you're going to be going against teams that have either nothing to lose or extremely desperate so it's going to be tough, but at the same time, I was almost spot on with the 28%. It's actually 27.8% mathematically that they went out. And I don't know. I feel like that's – I would put it closer to 35%. I think that if I had to give a record right now, I would say 3-1. and one. But certainly the resilience that you showed in Austin, it's a good sign going forward. And I think that the last couple of weeks, being able to beat Baylor at home – one of the best teams in the country, even though they were a little bit shorthanded, being able to beat Texas on the road and kind of avoid the letdown of playing in Austin with all the pressure going on. And even coming back against TCU, all three of those last three games have showed a lot of mental resilience and a lot of pure strength from this team. So maybe I'm overconfident, but I really can't see a way that this goes all that bad for Tech, regardless of how they're playing offensively or defensively. Yeah, I don't think we see something good too, South. Obviously, again, don't think it's even probable that it happens. But it's a Big 12. It's madness. But I do think that Texas Tech is in really, really good position here. Um, not super worried about Oklahoma at home, which kind of makes me like cringe a little bit just because Oklahoma just, just really took care of business. We're closer, man. I know, I know, but no Harkless now. He's done for yeah. the year. I feel like that's a huge loss for them. Texas Tech has, has just absolutely eliminated big men from games this season. 
Um, Kansas State is a little is a little snappy. I think that game being being in Lubbock is a big big boost to you. Um, and then TCU and Oklahoma State on on the road, which are two game or two teams that have nothing to lose, as you mentioned. So um, I think if I were to put like a, a a coin on it right now, other than TCU, the game I'm most worried about is probably that Kansas State one. Um, although, like I think that that it's all pretty it's all pretty lower tier for me right now. What do you got outside of that Oklahoma State game? Do you agree or disagree? I think I'd put Oklahoma as the second most likely team. I think the thing that worries about me with Oklahoma is simply that that Porter Moser is probably the best coach you've got left on the schedule, and they did a brilliant job defensively in that first game. I'll also say the one thing that really kind of comforts me about the Kansas State game is. K-State has not beaten Tech in Lubbock since the second year of Tubby Smith's era here. So undefeated through the Beard era in Lubbock. Obviously, you had the win in last the last couple of years where K-State wasn't good. But in general, this is a team that Bruce Weber struggled to get K-State winning at home against or on the road against Tech. And, I mean, this is also a Kansas State team that has been prone to kind of inconsistent guard play and especially on the road. And I just think that it's going to be difficult for them to kind of replicate what they did in Manhattan, but who knows? I mean, I'd say TCU is probably the most talented team you've got left on the schedule, but both Oklahoma and Oklahoma state kind of scare me a little bit more. I like that. uh, I like that Moser shout. I think that's a, that's a good, that's a good pick. I mean, he's a guy that just continues to impress me. And every time I turn Oklahoma on, he's a good guy. As you mentioned, Lubbock has been a doghouse for Kansas State in recent years. To close out this episode, let's go with one more trivia time. Emery, who was the player that attempted a dunk contest dunk on a fast break in Lubbock, missed, and allowed Texas Tech to bust open a massive run? It was, man. You didn't even hesitate on that. That's That's a... Little nod yeah. to uh, Davide Moretti. He was on the offensive end after Tex- after Texas Tech recovered that loose ball. So, uh, yeah, man, hopefully we'll see something something similar to that in this one. Yeah. I mean, what can I say? Jara also got in a shouting match with his coach in that game, if I remember correctly. That was uh, that was very, very interesting. We, th- we talked a lot, People were talking a lot about TJ Shannon in this past game and some of the debatable things that he did but certainly nothing came close to Jara openly just ripping into Bruce Weber in the huddle in in Lubbock a couple years ago but man I mean he's no longer there they've got Nigel Pack outstanding player we'll cover that in a little bit whenever that game comes up but certainly K-State has not had a friendly time in Lubbock the last few years yeah hopefully no uh no more shouting matches in this one hopefully no uh no coach scrums, man. If Mark Adams were to throw a punch, I, I don't think he might go to jail. I mean, that dude is a that dude's a boxer. I don't I don't think you want him. Uh, you don't want him throwing punches. Knocked down a beer uh, one time. He did, man. He, he's done it. Seen it with my own two eyes. One of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. Um, thank you all for making Locked On Texas take your first listen every day. If you missed the uh, the Davide Moretti episode. It's still relevant. I know that we're, we're after the Texas game now. It talks a lot about his brother and his recruitment to Texas Tech, his communication with coaches at Texas Tech, um, Davide's plans to come back in the summer, and just a lot about how much he loves Texas Tech. I highly suggest you go listen to that one. I know that uh, 
as an ingester of content, I would like to listen to this episode. And that's not something that I try to pin on a lot of our episodes because mainly it's just me uh, rambling about TCU and, and why I think they're so good. But uh, in the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emory at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube if you have not already. Gets you a little uh, behind-the-scenes process of what happens whenever we're, uh, we're actually recording on an episode. And my, uh, my dog wants some pets, and it's a great time. And you can see my dog. So uh, make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube and then come back tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts just like us. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.